I'll live up to what happens next. been around uh, since the beginning of the year. We've been in this series looking at the wonder of who Jesus reveals himself as when he says, I am. And in that one moment in calling and saying that he is, that he is the great I am, is he reveals himself not just as a man, but as of God. The God who has always been, the God who will always be, the God who is Father, Son, and Spirit. And then week on week, we've been just exploring just the wonder of what it looks like then for Jesus to be the I am. Uh, if you were around last week, we looked at the wonder of what it means that Jesus is our good shepherd. And in it, what we've discovered week on week is what the video says at the end, is that when Jesus says that he is, when he says, I am, what he says is, I am enough. That Jesus reveals himself continuously that he is enough for every single one of us. No matter what we're facing in life, no matter what is going on, that Jesus is enough. And today kind of marks the end of our series, looking at the I Ams. But I think it's quite appropriate we get to do that on a morning where we're celebrating believer baptism. Now, it is amazing, personally, to be seeing my daughter baptized. But in it, it's a moment we get to remember that actually in her getting baptized, what she's saying is, actually, I have confidence that for her as an individual, Jesus is enough. And my guess is that for many of us in this room, that we would too join with her and say, actually, we too would say, actually, we have confidence that Jesus is enough. But maybe we've come this morning, we say, well, I'm kind of on this journey of exploring who Jesus says he is. And maybe we say, well, I'm not sure if Jesus is enough. And my hope is that what we're going to look at in terms of the I am statement of Jesus today is going to reveal to us why Jesus is enough. But maybe... We're sat there and we're thinking, well, yeah, I can see that Jesus is enough. But sometimes I question, but is he? Maybe it's in those moments of uncertainty. And I don't know what that uncertainty looks like for you. But the moment of uncertainty comes when life doesn't quite go how we thought it would be or would go. And so it might be in respect to our employment or in respect to our seeking employment or in respect to our hopes or um, our family members or our health or our finances, and we find ourselves in that moment of uncertainty. And in that moment of uncertainty, we have the question, is Jesus enough? And what we're going to look at as our last time of looking at the I am statements of Jesus is a moment where Jesus was around his friends, his disciples. 
where they were living with a moment of great uncertainty, where Jesus, who'd always spoken so confidently around them, suddenly got to a point and it all seemed to just get quite dark. And so he started to speak about his own death more and more. He started to talk about the fact that he was no longer going to be with them. He started to talk about the fact that there were people who had been amongst the community of friends, of disciples of Jesus, who were actually going to betray him. That those who felt that everyone knew that they loved him were being told by Jesus that actually they'd kind of deny ever knowing him. And in that moment of uncertainty, Jesus wants to bring them confidence and comfort. And he does that through this amazing statement, which Bill actually already kind of introduced to us in our worship, where Jesus simply says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And in this statement of saying that he's the way, truth, and life, he wants us to understand that whatever circumstances we're facing, he is enough. That he's one that we can find comfort and confidence in. And so I want us to jump straight into Scripture. So we're going to look at John 14, verses 1 to 6. And as I've said, the setting for this is just after the, the Last Supper, where Jesus has kind of revealed the, the fact that actually he's going to be dying. He's revealed the fact that there's one amongst them that's going to betray them. He's revealed the fact that some who've said they really love him are going to deny him. And as you can expect, if you rent around someone's house for dinner... And you're kind of having a happy jolly, and you're kind of drinking, you're eating, and then suddenly the host of the meal turned around and said to you, actually, there's something I need to share with you. I'm going to die. At that point, you think, oh, it isn't quite as jolly as it was a few minutes ago. And if they then continued and said, actually, also, I want you to know that part of why I'm going to die is because that person around the table is going to betray me. You then start to think, man, things are heating up. Is this like a murder mystery meal? And I didn't know. Um, then it gets to the point, and he says, oh, and you say, oh, but, but I'm always going to be with you because I'm your friend. No matter what happens to you, I'm going to be with you. And at that point, they turn to you and say, oh, no, you're going to deny even knowing me. You're going to say to people, actually, before the morning's out, that actually you know nothing about me. At that point, you'd be thinking, Boy, this is a dark meal. I wish I hadn't bothered coming because actually I was feeling quite upbeat, but now I'm feeling pretty despairing. And this is the setting that we get to in respect to these verses. And so Jesus, understanding this is how his friends are feeling, seeks to bring comfort and confidence. And he does it like this. He starts off and he says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Let's pause here for a moment. The first way Jesus seeks to bring comfort to his disciples to his friends, is actually to remind them of something they've heard time and time before. Maybe something they'd said themselves. See, what Jesus says here is actually something that was said as part of the kind of moment of engagement. And in the culture that Jesus was living in, in the moment of engagement, a family would come together, the, the kind of prospective groom's family and the prospective bride's family, they'd come together. And in that moment, everyone knew what was going to go down But it wasn't a dead cert at this point in time. And there came a moment where the the young guy faces the young girl. And and in that moment, he proposes. And how he proposes is he hands her a cup of wine. 
And as he hands her a cup of wine, what he's saying is, will you be my wife? And she has a choice to make at that point in time. The whole of the community looking on, because it wouldn't have just been their families, it would have been the whole of the community looking on. Is she going to take the cup or not? Generally, she did take the cup, and so the guy kind of breathes this sigh of relief. (sighs) She gets the cup. At that moment, as she takes the cup, he then says something that his father would have said, that his father's father would have said, that his father's father would have said. And in that moment... As she takes the cup, he makes her a promise. And we're going to come on to that promise in a moment. He's going to make a promise that actually would take a year or so to kind of build upon. Because what he's going to do is he's going to promise to say, I'm going to now go away. And in a year's time, I'm going to come and get you to be my wife. But to do that, I need to go and build what you know I'm going to build. I'm going to go to my parents' house, and I'm going to go and add a room on to my parents' house in order that we can have somewhere to live. And how he'd make that promise is he'd say this. In my father's house are many rooms. If that were not so, would I have not told you that? I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. And at that point, as he says those words... The prospective wife who's now engaged to this guy knows that he's going to go and build the room. Why does she know that? Because that's how it rolls. The guy never says, I'm going to build a room, and then doesn't do it. He goes and builds the room, and he will come back because it's been seen from generation to generation to generation that that's what they've done. And in that moment, as he makes the promise, she knows that he's going to go and build it. And when he comes back, and he does, there's a massive party. The whole village would come and gather with him as he made his way back to his bride because he got the place ready for them. And so Jesus uses words that these guys may have spoken before, words that these guys would have heard time and time again to say, I need to bring you comfort. Here's a way to remember it. Just as you know and are certain that when someone said these words, they did what they were going to do. I want you to understand that I'm now saying them to you so you can be as certain as you know that will happen, that I'm going to come back and I'm going to have prepared a place that's way better than just the room on your parents' house. And if you want to see, we've got time to look at it this morning, if you want to know what that looks like, read Revelation 21, 22. That kind of reveals what the wonder that Jesus is preparing when we find out that there's this whole new heaven and earth that collide and allow us to kind of inhabit a place that Jesus has prepared for us. I'd love at this point in time to kind of go off on a tangent to look at that, but I mustn't do that. I'm going to come back. Because then what Jesus does is he then gets questions, so he continues. So he's kind of brought this first level of comfort and confidence who he is. That There is a reason of why he's going away. He's going to do something. But he is going to come back, and it's going to be for their good. He's going to prepare a place for them. Then Thomas says, verse 5, Lord... We don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? I don't know if you ever get that. I, I think Thomas just asks questions. It's good to ask God questions sometimes. God, I know you've said this. I know Adrian keeps telling us, read Revelation 21, 22. It's all going to be all right in the end. But is it? How do we know? I don't want to take Adrian's word for it. Don't do that. Discover it for yourself. It's in that moment Thomas says, well, I'm not sure I know the way to where you're saying. 
Jesus at this point doesn't say, enough, I'm out of here. He then talks to Thomas, this is what Jesus answered. Oh, you want to know the way? Oh, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The ultimate way that Jesus can reveal the comfort and confidence that he is able to offer is to say, don't look to something I say, don't look to something I do, but rather look to the one who I am. Because I am the way, the truth, and the life. So what does it mean then to have confidence and comfort in the fact that he is the way, the truth, and the life? Well, let's first of all unpack in terms of the way then. I don't know, maybe you come up to me at the end and you invite me around for your, your house uh, for a meal. That's not a plug, it's not an ask, it just, it's a, a, a hypothetical situation. And so you invite me around for a meal and you tell me your address and I say, okay, I'm going to lead the way. And so you say, I don't know where you live. Let's say someone lives in Harborne. And so they say, I live in Harborne. I know where Harborne is, roughly. And so I say, okay, follow me then. And I head out of there and I start climbing over the back wall of the cricket ground into one of the neighboring houses' gardens. And I say, come on, I'm going to make my own way there and I know how to plow a path. At that point, you might start to think, I don't know if I really want you to come around for a meal. You seem to have a slightly bizarre way of getting places. And I say, well, don't worry. And I start smacking on the person's back door and saying, I'm coming through, I'm making my way to Harborn. And that's just how I do it. I plow from garden to garden, house to house, and basically find myself amongst dwellings and think, well, these are dwellings, I've kind of bed up here. Now, that's a crazy way to make your way to somewhere. Rather, what you'd expect me to do is to think, well, okay, what roads do I need to use to get to your home? See, in the culture, we don't tend to just plow our own path. We actually use roads that are there because roads that are there lead us to a destination and give us a sense of direction. They give us a sense of, all right, if I follow this road, I know I'm going to get to where I want to get to. And if you like, Jesus is doing that. He's saying that as the way, what he's able to be is like a road to us, a road that offers us destination, offers us direction. That's the point that Jesus is saying, saying, actually, you want to know who I am as a way? Well, I'm the one who offers destination, a destination of what? A destination like no other, to know the Father, to know God. A destination, ultimately, to be with God. Jesus says, oh, oh you want to know that? Oh, I'm the way to know that through my life, death, and resurrection. That's what we're getting to celebrate here, is the fact that Emily, with confidence, can say, I know God. Why? Because she realized that she got to know him because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. They said it was nothing about who she is. It's everything about who he is that allows us to then know this God who is eternally loving, that she can understand that she's eternally, unconditionally loved and accepted. So she gets to live knowing that's her destination, that one day she'll see God face to face as we see one another. But also she gets to know this way that is Jesus that allows her to know God along the way. That the destination is a final place, but also an ongoing discovery along the way that we continuously understand more of the wonder of who God is through Jesus. So that Jesus can say, actually, you want to know who the Father is? Look to me. So you read the New Testament and you get to the accounts of Jesus' life. You don't look at it as a study guide to think, oh, what kind of man God was Jesus? Oh, no, you look at the amazing accounts of Jesus and say, oh, this is who God is. The invisible made visible. 
So you say, oh, this is the destination, but it's also the direction that Jesus gives this way of living that does us good. It isn't like a directional way of living so that we continuously live saying, oh, no, I can't do that because I'm not allowed. No, it's an understanding that actually Jesus is after our best. So that when you read the accounts of his life and he says, actually, forgive as you've been forgiven, given, don't judge. Show mercy, reveal love. These, these aren't attributes to think, all oh, right, this is kind of how I should be now because I'm a believer in Jesus. No, this is a way to be directed in life that is for our best. So first he says, he's the way. Secondly, he says, he's the truth. Here's what's amazing about this. It's Jesus doesn't say, I speak truth. He doesn't say, I do things that are true. He says, I am in my very being, truth. That, that's a massive claim. That Jesus, in who he is, is allowing us to see what truth ultimately looks like. If I was to stand here and say, oh, you want to know what truth is? I am truth. At that point, you're going to do one of two things. You're either going to cart me off and think you're a little bit crazy, or you're going to say, well, let's see then. Are you really? And then you'd follow me for a day and you'd realize, actually, you don't tend to reveal truth all the time. But Jesus says, no, I am truth. That actually, I am the benchmark of what truth looks like. That I am one whose very being is full of integrity, of transparency and wonder of who I am. That Jesus reveals that he is truth. He reveals that he's truth by how he's motivated. It, it reveals everything, that he's not out for what he can get, but rather what he can give. It's revealed as truth in respect to everything he then does, that everything he says, he does. Even to those moments that we'll look at next week through the Easter story where you get him in a garden, and he realizes everything he's about to face, and he's asking the Father, is there another way? And yet in that moment, still saying, no, no, but I know it's not my will, it's yours, Father. Actually, whatever it costs, I want to do what I said I was here to do, which is to rescue everything. And so he fulfills through his life, death, and resurrection as his benchmark of saying, am I true? Oh, yeah, I said I'd die, but I also said I'd take up my life again. Yeah, I, I was true to that. I was true in everything I did. So he's truth in respect to the very being of who he is. It's true in respect to his motivation. It's true in respect to kind of how he reveals in what he says he does. But it's truth in a way that means we can trust him. That he can be trusted with everything. That it means that Jesus as truth can be trusted with everything of who we are. He can be trusted with everything we, of who we are of our past. That we can come and say to Jesus, well, but here's my past. Here's, here's everything that I have. Here's everything that I've got. But my hopes, my failings, my, my past experiences that are both things that I'm guilty of and things that I'm ashamed of because of things that people did to me. And we can come and trust them to Jesus and understand that he's able to make a way and make it right. We can trust him with our present of saying, actually, regardless of what's going on, Jesus, I recognize that you're my foundation. You're the one I can trust. And whatever life hurdles are thrown at me, actually, I know that you promise you're always going to be with me. We can trust him not only with our past, not only with our present, but also our future. 
They're like those first hearers that we too can say, actually, Jesus, as you've promised that you've gone to prepare something for me, I can trust that you're true to your word. This is you have been in terms of your life, death, and resurrection. I can now trust you with my future. My future is one that has hope in you. That she will do everything you've promised. That you are going to make new everything. So he's the truth. He's the way, but he's also the life. We live in a day and age where you can buy books that tell you 1,001 ways to live. To live for a moment. It might be to go and see the most beautiful landscape that you could ever imagine. It may be to do the most daredevil experience that you could ever imagine. And what it promises is in that moment, you can know life. And Jesus steps forward and says, don't live for a moment. Just live knowing life. That's what he gets to offer. He says, I, I come not that you'd live from moment to moment, but that you just live. You'd live knowing a life of abundance, a life of fullness. A life of fullness that is at its very being source, God. And when Jesus says he is life, he's not saying he just simply can offer life as a kind of side effect. You know, he's like gets his checkbook out and says, oh, here's a check for life. No, he's saying, actually, who I am as God is life. And what I'm inviting you into is my life. Now, if you've been around over the last kind of 12 months, we keep exploring what this looks like. And so what you have is the Father, Son, Spirit, who've always been eternally. It blows our minds. We think, well, God, before anything, was there. Yes, he was before anything there. And he existed, not kind of thinking, oh, what should I do today? I know, I'll create the universe. No, no, he existed, understanding that he was always loving. The Father was loving the Spirit that was loving the Son that was loving the Father was loving the Spirit. The Spirit was loving the Father was loving the Son. He had this being that was in community and existence of love. And that was the life they enjoyed, a life of love, eternally. Find it in John, Jesus prays, John 17. Jesus, uh, Father, you've loved me for the creation of the whole world. See, this is what this life was. And then Jesus says, oh, I want you to come and live in this eternal life of love. It doesn't mean that we come, and as we've seen week on week, we, doesn't, we kind of look in. Oh, yeah, we get to look in at this amazing life of love that is Father, Son, and Spirit. It isn't just simply that we get to stand in the middle of it and oh, this is amazing as it goes around me. No, it's that we get caught up in it. We get caught up in this eternal life of love. That therefore means we get to be invited by Jesus to this life where we get to understand continuously, day by day, that we are in this unconditional, unconditionally loving, accepting community of life and love. Phenomenal. And the invitation is, that's where we are now if you put your trust in Jesus Therefore, get on and explore and enjoy it. Jesus says, I am the life. Are we exploring the fullness of what that life is? Have we kind of settled for kind of like some little inkling of it? I think, oh yeah, yeah, God's love. And yes, I'm kind of accepted, but I better get on, do the real stuff. No, no, there is no other real stuff. It's that we spend our life exploring and enjoying the fact that I am more loved than I could dare to believe and even imagine. I'm more accepted than I could dare to believe or imagine. 
Which therefore means I get to live on this planet in everything I'm seeking to be and do from a place of unbelievable, unfathomable love and acceptance. That's quite enough a pretty cool life. But in everything, I'm just saying, oh, this is a moment where I get to explore and enjoy something more of this life that I have in God. See, Jesus comes to our moments of uncertainty, to our moments where life is going well and brings comfort and confidence with these simple words and just says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And in it, what he does is, what he always does is reveals and says, I am enough. And when he says that, it kind of allows us to question it. To question our hearts, to just simply say, is he? And the answer to that is either yes or no. That's what I love about Jesus. He doesn't allow us to sit on the fence. Why does he not allow us to sit on the fence? Because sitting on the fence ultimately is painful. Like I always picture it's like a picket fence. Man, I wouldn't want to be sat on a picket fence for a long time. That's going to be well painful. It's, it's either we get there and we sit there and we think, actually, Jesus, either you are enough or you're not enough. And I need to work, and I respect anyone who answers that question with a yes or a no. And so if you're here this morning, you say, well, no, I don't think Jesus is enough. I respect that. Because you're not sitting on the fence where it's painful. You've got to that point saying, no, Jesus isn't enough. But maybe today we come and we say, no, I know Jesus is enough. Or maybe for the first time we say, Jesus, I want you to be enough for me. And what we do is we get to this point and say, Jesus, I need you. Whether it's for the first time or the millionth time. We say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, having said I need you, Jesus, I receive you as enough for me. And then having said we need, having said we receive, it always can only lead to then saying, Jesus, I want to reveal you. The point of doing a series of the I am's of God isn't that we all kind of, kind of leave thinking, man, haven't we got great stuff here in who Jesus is? It is partly that. But it's ultimately that we live in a world where we're earthed to reveal the wonder that Jesus is enough in every and any circumstance. Can we stand to just finish off with? In a moment, I'm going to get us to do something. It isn't to do it to make me feel better. It genuinely doesn't do that, because as you've heard me say, I kind of know that Jesus is enough, and he loves me unconditionally, accepts me unconditionally. So that's where I get my value from. But in a moment, I'm going to ask us to do this, just with our eyes closed across the room, is to get to this point at the end of a series. And I'm going to pose the question, is Jesus enough for you? And then if he is, what I want us to do is I'm going to count to three. And in that moment, I want us to put our hand up and say, Jesus, you are enough for me. For some of us, it will be a moment of just doing that because we've done it time and time before. And yet it's so good each day to say, Jesus, you are enough. But for some of us, we're going to do it for the first time ever. And in that moment, we just know that we can be confident, understanding there are many others who are doing it with us. And if we're doing it for the first time, what I want us to know is that as we do it, And say, Jesus, I want you to be enough. That Jesus wants to meet with you and say, he is. And if you do do it the first time, because I'll then pray for us, I'd like you to do a really bold thing. At the very end, um, I want you to come and speak to Gus. Why you're not coming to speak to me is because I need to do a quick Superman change into my swimming shorts. 
Um, fortunately, not wearing Speedos. Swimming shorts and T-shirt in order to come baptize my daughter. But if you can speak to Gus, that'd be brilliant. But just where we are, let's just close our eyes for a moment. Been looking week on week, these beautiful truths of who Jesus is, I am. Today, he just reveals again, I am way, truth, life. Jesus stands before and just says, he is enough. Do you want to today say, Jesus, I need you and I receive you again as enough for me? One, two, three, put your hand up. Jesus, I thank you just for the wonder of these moments where we can be stood in a room with loads of other people with their hands up and yet you know me and you know each of us. You know us intricately. And in this moment, as we say, regardless of what circumstances we're facing, that we say, Jesus, we need you. Jesus, we want to receive from you. Jesus, you are enough that you want to rush to meet with us whether it's our first time of saying this or whether it's our, our millionth time of saying it. Jesus, you love it when we turn to you and just say, Jesus, you're enough. And Jesus, today, is, as Emily gets baptized and proclaims to all of us, you're enough. Jesus, we say, as we've lifted our hands, we want to stand with her and say, Jesus, you are. And we want to give ourselves into the city and revealing that, Jesus, you are enough for everything and everyone. So, Jesus, I pray, would you come and would you satisfy everything that we need? I pray would you cause us to understand increasingly that you are everything we need. And Jesus, I pray, would we continuously be a bunch of people who make much of you and less of us. We ask this for your glory, Jesus. Amen. Okay, like I said, if you've responded for the first time, please do come and see Gus. Uh, otherwise, Gus is now going to explain how we're going to do the quick change.